hey, there's a new building science team in town. They're called Oculus. And this week on the show, I'm speaking to one of their senior building enclosure engineers. G'day and welcome back to Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. And this week on the show, I'm speaking to Peter Ramondo, who is a senior building enclosure engineer at Oculus. Now, Oculus came on the scene uh, 2018, uh, founded by Sean McIsaac. And Sean's been around uh, in New Zealand for a few years, uh, but before that has gained a lot of experience in Canada working on some similar issues to what we're facing now, but um, they're a lot more advanced in in diagnosing and designing better buildings. And that's what these guys are really passionate about, is, is redefining the way that we go about designing buildings to make them watertight and healthy and energy efficient. So they've set up shop to help uh, designers, builders, consultants to create better building envelopes. Anyway, I caught up with Peter recently and I started out by asking him how he got into engineering in the first place. Um, I, uh, when I was a kid, did lots of Lego. And so when I was about to graduate from high school, I went to go speak to a guidance counselor and they're like, oh, what kind of stuff do you like? And I said, oh, well, I like math, I like science, did lots of Lego as, as a kid. And they're like, okay, well, I guess engineering is the way to go. And so I uh, applied for a few universities, got into U- University of Toronto, which is, I guess, the biggest one in Canada, um, did a five-year program with one year of work, um, and the work program was um, on a construction site uh, doing high-rise, um, basically pouring concrete, um, which right. was not as glamorous as, as that might sound. Uh, and then from there, um, after graduating, I worked uh, for a construction company, um, and then after that, I worked for a forensic engineering company, um, looking at buildings that had either burnt down or buildings that had flooded or leaked, uh, to the point of structural failure and kind of figuring out why that happened, how to fix it, how to make sure the problem didn't happen again. So that kind of lay a groundwork for building science for me. Um, and then after that, I had a job with RJC, Reed Jones Christofferson in Toronto, um, which was a lot of building science uh, restoration of older buildings. So could have been historic buildings or just, you know, any sort of either condo buildings, uh, commercial buildings, things like that. If they started leaking or if they needed a new roof because they'd just gotten to that point where they needed a new roof, then um, doing the construction management and design and details and things like that. So you jumped there from engineering to building science. When you first started engineering, did you know about building science? Oh, yeah. Um, I had, uh, I think, two courses in university um, for building science. And I think those were my my best courses. Um, And I also just enjoyed them most. And that kind of goes hand in hand. If you like, uh, if you really like something, you'll you'll probably do well in it. So, Mm. yeah, when I was in school, we did uh, building science and yeah. And what what did that cover? What what did you actually do in building science in Toronto? Oh, um, basically a lot of work with psychrometric charts and figuring out the relationship between moisture in the air and temperature in the air, condensation, um, ventilation, making sure that uh, thermal bridging is not uh, not an issue, things like that. Basically, just doing doing exactly what I'm doing here, but in school um, and doing it for projects and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess the the forensic engineering sounds a lot like what is now 
called building surveying here in New Zealand where it's diagnosing a problem that's occurred. Yeah, very, very similar to that. Yeah, we don't have building surveyors in uh, in Canada. Surveyors are basically people that look through theodolites and yeah. stations and yeah. mark things out. Um, and so, yeah, I was doing a lot of building surveying, I guess you could say, um, doing investigations to figure out why things failed. Um, that was for the forensic company, but also for the building science engineering company that I was working for. Yeah. Yeah. And then how did you end up in New Zealand? Um, I, um, I don't know if you know this, but Toronto is a very expensive city to live. And, uh, my wife's from Toronto, so up. I got a bill oh, there, but I gotcha, haven't yeah. myself. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful city, but, um, the rent is just skyrocketing every year just goes up by, you know, tens of percents. Um, so basically I was living there and I was spending a lot of my money on rent and kind of getting a little bit burnt out, a little bit bored at my job because it was basically just repetition, same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking to change things up. I always wanted to live somewhere else in the world. And for some reason, New Zealand felt like the right place. Um, And so I saw a really cheap ticket to Melbourne and uh, then said, "Hmm, do I really want to be in Australia? And I thought maybe not. So I booked another flight from Melbourne to Auckland. And then came here, started applying for jobs, and had two offers within a week, I think. Wow. Because <laughs> I guess building science engineers are pretty popular here right now. <laughs> well, they've just become a thing. And that's why I was asking you <clears throat> a little bit about building science, because I think building yeah. science is becoming a thing. I mean, there's been a building science course here for some time, but it's not necessarily looking at psychometric charts and, and uh, what we really think of as building science. Okay. Um, so it's really coming of age, if you like, in New Zealand. And sure. and I get the industry is also crying out for facade engineers, which yeah. people who have had your background is, I, I imagine you find that sort of thing fairly simple and, and easy or, or it makes a lot of sense, whereas someone who's coming at it just with New Zealand experience, it might mm. all be a bit um, uh, yeah. out of their depth. Sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you said, um, facade engineering, um, and facade engineers typically only think of the walls and the windows. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit short-sighted because you have to think of the entire building as one unit, the top, the bottom, the sides, everything has to work together. So you can't just look at the facades. You have to look at the roof. You have to look at the waterproofing on the balconies. You have to look at underground, everything all at once. So, yeah. So, who gets to do that? I mean, obviously, that's that is what Oculus is offering, which is fantastic. But sure. what I see in the rest of the industry is a result of specialization and getting down into our own little areas, like one personal, like you say, look after the windows and, and, and the walls, one personal look after the structure. Somebody else comes along and says, Well, we've got to do this because of the fire. Is, yeah. it, is that a problem across the industry of, of too much specialization and not enough coordination of all those different um, specialties? Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd say it's, it's something that needs to, needs to be improved upon um, because everyone currently, yeah, generally works in silos. Mm. And you can have that. A structural engineer should definitely be the person who's the, the point man or point woman for the um, for the structure. But they have to also think of how their structure interacts with everything else because it just makes a much more efficient building, a much more logical building, and it'll make everyone else's 
um, area of specialty, uh, sorry, area of uh, expertise work well with one another. Because if you have a structure that causes problems with the facade, that causes problems with the balconies and all that, it just kind of, it gets, it gets messy. So basically we're trying to fill the gaps that we, that we see and, uh, and just trying to make better buildings for everyone. Um, and so if someone isn't looking at a certain part, part of the building or isn't looking at the transitions between certain areas, we'll just kind of put our hands up and say, Hey, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that one out uh, and make sure that everything is working well. So, cause you, do you have a structural engineer on the team now? Um, we don't have someone that specifically um, concentrates on structures, but uh, three of the guys on the team um, have a structural background, so they're very right. familiar with doing structural calculations. Yeah. We generally stay away from the structure of the building because structural engineers, a structural engineering team figures that out. But mm. um, there's a lot of structural engineering that goes into facade engineering, into cladding, into windows, into, um, you know aluminium eyebrows or projections from the building or parapet flashings or things like that everything needs to be checked to make sure it's not going to fly off the building so right. yeah we do a little bit of structural engineering but not basically designing the building structure from scratch scratch it's right. basically what connects to that structure yeah and one of the things i have it's become more obvious is the fact that structural engineers can make or break a building quite literally and then they can <laughs> yep. they can take uh, the the um, priority in poking big heavy metal beams through the mm-hmm. insulation layer or, or the weather tightness layer, um, and no one will argue with that necessarily because because it's got to be there because to hold the building up. Whereas it might have a huge impact on the what you guys are trying to do is make the envelope actually work. Yeah, and we we basically work with what we've got a lot of the times. But if we get involved earlier on in the in the design process, we can kind of make suggestions and say, "Hey, if you have this beam here, maybe you can kind of move it over there or change it to this other type of beam or yeah. things like instead of using big heavy concrete shear walls, maybe you can use cross bracing, or maybe we just designed the whole building out of uh, mass timber or something like that because mm-hmm. it's a short building. You don't necessarily need all this this weight." You know things like that. So, the earlier that we uh, earlier that we're involved in the project, the the easier it is to make suggestions and kind of take a holistic approach and build a really efficient building. Yeah, and I guess the the more people that know about you and and what you're able to provide, um, that's more likely to happen, right? Because they might only just sort of stumble across you because they need someone to look check the facade. But if they know that you exist, yeah, um, yeah. Everyone, then that's going to benefit everyone. Of course, yeah. And that's kind of how it started. Um, the company's been running for about, I don't know, a year and three months, year and a half, something like that. Um, and it really started off that we're the facade engineers that pick up the phone because we're not, you know, crazy, crazy busy, whereas a lot of other ones are busy doing structures, busy doing this, busy doing that. And facades is kind of just a, you know, a side note, uh, like an extra thing that they also do. So since we concentrate on that, we're the ones that were answering the phones, answering emails, and, you know, fixing problems for people, getting things through council, explaining things uh, to council to make sure that the building doesn't get held up, um, trying to get consented. So um, that's how it started off. But now we're noticing that people are involving us earlier and earlier and really taking our suggestions to heart and kind of um, building better buildings uh, slowly but surely. (laughs) We're trying to change the industry. We're trying to lead things (laughs) as much as we can. 
What, in your opinion, most mm. needs to change in the New Zealand building industry? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Uh, if I had to say the one thing, because you're making me pick one, I would say the building code. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's stringent enough, and I, I know that a lot of your listeners might disagree with me because they think that uh, buildings will get more expensive. But there's there's ways to build things more efficiently. Um, but right now, there's going to be a lot of condensation issues and a lot of um, just a lot of issues in buildings that haven't cropped up yet. But now that we're building much more airtight enclosures things are going to start to show up soon and whatever the current building code is does not does not avoid those problems yet so yeah that's that's what i'd say so you mentioned air tightness there uh, and, yeah. and condensation how do you grapple with the feeling that a lot of people have that air tightness is the cause of the condensation ah i think uh <laughs> That is that is something that people will eventually learn. And uh, that's something that Canada went through back in, I think, the 1980s. Yep. Um, people started building much more airtight envelopes because they wanted to make sure that cold air wasn't rushing in through all the gaps in the walls and windows. Um, and then condensation issues started. Um, but then we started uh, putting it into our building code that heating uh, to a certain level is required ventilation to a certain level is required and once you put those two things in you can have an airtight building envelope that will be fully dry healthy and you know effective so yeah people will learn right so it's just, just to clarify on that yeah. air tightness is not the culprit it, we we no. want to get more airtight buildings because they are efficient and, and allow for control Definitely. But we need to not do airtight in isolation. Correct. Yes. Everything needs to be thought of. You can't just have airtight without heating. You can't have airtight without ventilation. You can't have ventilation without – everything has to work together. It all has to be one, one holistic approach. Basically, if you want to have a nice warm home that isn't super expensive to heat, you have to plug the gaps in the walls and then provide ventilation to make sure the moisture that we cause by – showering by la doing laundry by cooking by just breathing um you want to make sure that that moisture goes to the outside instead of getting collected inside of the wall what can we learn from places like canada that have been through this already how can we expedite that process rather than having to go through that painful reinventing of the wheel <laughs> having an open mind is i think the biggest easiest and most important way to do it it's just have an open mind um take a look at the building codes from other countries talk to people who have moved here from other countries and just look at the way that they build things because the world is is <laughs> it seems like a really big place but nowadays it's much much smaller than it used to be due to the internet you can just go online and take a look and see how people are building things and learn from it um because, yeah, a lot of people have this idea that New Zealand is super different from everywhere else. But the climate here, especially in Auckland, is very, very similar to Seattle, to Portland, to um, Vancouver, to Victoria. It's all very temperate, not super cold in the winter, not super hot in the summer, and very wet all the time. Rainy, high humidity, etc. So, And even the seismic thing is uh, the whole west coast of, of North America has a lot of seismic activity. So... 
basically learn from the places that are similar to the place um, that you're living. And, uh, and yeah. So we're, not that, we're not that special. I mean, New Zealand is a very special place and I love it. It's a very <laughs> special place in my heart, but the conditions are not that different, unfortunately. Well, <laughs> Actually, yeah. fortunately, let's put it fortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is something I say to uh, people, uh, architects and people, we're not that special. Sure. Well, nah. and I think you put it correctly, yeah, we are special. It's a special place, but our climate is yeah. not as special as we as we think we are. Do you know what the average relative humidity is in, around the, those areas you just mentioned, around Portland? Um, it depends on the time of year. Yeah, Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, Victoria. It's, it's pretty high humidity, um, especially uh, Vancouver because it's right next to the mountains. It just kind of holds all the moisture that comes off the sea. Right. Um, probably in and around 60%, 70% depending on the season. Um, right. Very similar to, to Auckland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and of course, anything above that sort of 40 to 60 percent is, is high because we, that's where oh, we yeah. want to be for um, keeping, keeping the interior conditions um, dry and mold free and, um, yeah, healthy, basically. Yeah. But I mean, even if you do have uh, an exterior temperature of, of 70% relative humidity, especially in the winter, um, if you just heat that air up, once it gets inside, that drops the relative humidity substantially. Um, because the right. warmer the air is, the more moisture it can hold, the lower the, uh, the relative humidity goes. So there's right. always ways so it's to not do a, it. It's not a matter of the amount of moisture necessarily, the absolute humidity, but it, by warming the air up, we can drop the relative humidity. Correct. Yeah. And then it's, it, it's not even an issue. It doesn't cause condensation. I think the biggest thing is, is heaters. A lot of people don't have heaters in their house, in, <laughs> especially in Auckland. And that's a, that's a huge problem. If you warm yeah. up the air, it, it absorbs that moisture so it doesn't condense on your windows. So, yeah. 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 I mean, and then we get into all sorts of fuel poverty issues and the, the, you yeah. mentioned the price of housing in, in Toronto. I mean, sure. we you know, Auckland's got a reputation now for the, in the inability, inaffordability of, of housing. So yeah. we get into those sort of, they're really real estate issues, not yeah. housing quality issues, um, yeah. but they often get mashed together. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big problem and it's a big mountain to climb, but if we all work together and have an open mind, we can, we can climb that mountain. It can, yeah, yeah. It can all work, work together, but we just yeah. have to have an open mind and just, you know, decide that we want to have better housing for everyone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it'll eventually get better. Slow baby steps, but you know, <laughs> baby steps. yeah. So is, is, there, and is Oculus doing some work in that residential space? Are you working across the board from uh, system oh, yeah. up to commercial buildings? Yeah. I mean, right now, I think the core of our business is, uh, is a lot of residential stuff. Um, I think we have a few commercial buildings and a few kind of random one-off things. Um, but a lot of it is residential and, uh, a bunch of my projects are actually housing New Zealand projects. So, um, definitely working with them to provide good buildings, um, that won't rot out, um, you know, five years after they're built. Um, we're really trying to improve their general, status quo for what they build and hopefully if the if the social housing improves substantially all of the other housing around it will also improve because mm-hmm. they'll just kind of mm-hmm. look to that as a you know as a model for how to build things so yeah we're trying that's super exciting because i mean that if we can crack that one that that reduce that just blows out that whole perception of of cost being an issue of exactly dealing to that social housing side is so important 
Yeah, there's there's very cost-effective ways to build properly. You, you just have to do it the smart way. And right now, the building code, like um, E2AS1, those typical details that you see, to me, they just seem overly complicated for no reason, and they can be easily improved. Yeah, um, right. And they can be cheaper, cheaper to build. So, yeah. Good, good. And then, of course, people like House New Zealand have this other issue of of hundreds of thousands of existing houses that they need to yeah do something with yeah we're we're actually working with them as well um trying to figure out um some easy and cost effective retrofits to yeah you know improve a full building um some things that we're thinking about are um externally insulating so that people don't have to move out of their houses to mm-hmm. have them renovated so mm-hmm. externally insulate externally make them airtight put some ventilation on the inside put a heater in there and then hopefully that'll improve the houses substantially so yeah, yeah. yeah we're working with them to try to figure out what we can do and what works for their budget what works for their uh their labor force and things like that so yeah exciting stuff Fine. yeah so this is a time for you to give yourselves a bit of a plug. Uh, I'm sure people would be wanting to uh, make use of your services. Where, where can people go to, to find out more? Yeah, you can go on our website. It's uh, oculusltd.co.nz. So that's O-C-U-L-U-S-L-T-D.co.nz. Um, you can give us a call. All of us have cell phones. We don't have a landline because we're trying to do the things the modern way. We also don't use paper in our office. Um, we... Uh, yeah, it's all electronic. We write reports. We make sure that um, things get through council by designing a really good building and then just explaining how it works. Um, nice. So, yeah, basically give us a call, check out our website, and uh, let us know if you need some help. We'll try to build a good building with you. Are you able to enlighten me about the pink moose? <laughs> the pink moose. Um, we have a big uh, moose head on our wall. Um, <laughs> He's part of the team, isn't he? Vaughn? He is part of the team. His name is Vaughn. Yeah, he's on the website. You can take a look at him. Um, and we, <laughs> the pink, the pink as part a, of it. As a vegan, I'm not quite sure how I feel about Vaughn. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I'd like to think that he died of natural causes at a, <laughs> at a very, you know, happy, happy age after, you know, living a really nice life. That's, that's the way I like yeah, to think of it. Yeah, um, yeah. And we just, you know, have him you know, showing Canada on our wall, kind of <laughs> commemorating nice. that. Nice. Um, but yeah, the pink is just because it's a bold color and it just, uh, it'll stick in people's heads. And um, yeah, it's just pink and black. Looks pretty cool. It's and certainly, it's a moose. We had to choose something. Looks for, yeah. like, and I hope, I hope the people are interested enough to go and have a look what we're talking about. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Give us a awesome. call. Even if you just have, even if you just have questions about things, you don't have to hire us. We'll answer some questions. We'll help you out. Well, and, I've, and I have to direct people to LinkedIn as well because you guys are all over LinkedIn doing a fantastic oh, job yeah. of stirring things oh, up. Yeah. So Shaking things up. Yeah. Asking I, the I'm questions sure that need to be asked. Yeah. <laughs> if you look for building science or anything related to uh, air tightness, mm-hmm. uh, mold, what are some other hashtags you got going on there? Innovation was uh, up there today. Yeah. Uh, I posted a picture of uh, the temperature fluctuations in my house because it's not very good, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm sure find us on the website. And, yeah, find us on our website and then search our names because uh, yeah, we all post as our own person, not uh, not as a company. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right, well, I will let you get back to enjoying that tiny house. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I'm giving it a test. We'll see see how it goes. Cool. All right. Thank you very much, Peter. I really appreciate your time. No problem at all. Talk to you soon. 
And that was Peter Ramondo, who's a senior building and closure designer at Oculus Limited. Uh, check them out, oculusltd.co.nz. Find them on LinkedIn. They're all over LinkedIn, and I highly recommend following them because they're doing some fantastic posts up there as well. Thank you for tuning in. If you would like to support this show, then I have just added uh, Patreon to the Homestyle Green website. You can click on the orange button and help support the show. Um, Whatever you feel comfortable donating and becoming a patron of the show would be absolutely fantastic and much, much appreciated. Thanks to Gavin, who became the first patron of Homestyle Green. Really appreciate your support, Gavin. Uh, and your comments as well and uh, yeah um, others if you are keen to help me continue doing this show if you find it useful then share it with others but also click on that orange button and you can donate whatever you feel is appropriate to uh, to help keep this uh, this show up and running thank you very much for tuning in now go make a better place to live mm-hmm.